Welcome to Calling an Audible along with my co-host Zach Greenberg. I'm Greg Johnson. We have quite a lineup for you all today. So after a week off, we have a lot of newsworthy stuff from the NFL and the MMA, and the AAF has even been in the news. March Madness and the hockey tournaments are going on, obviously, and then some state and local news happenings from the community here. This week, we have our Grinder Gears section with our wacky sports wrap-up at the end, and Zach, we just cannot seem to take a week off, can we? I mean, after a whole... uh spring break week off and it was a good spring break week off uh we have a lot to uh, catch up on and a lot to talk about um so you know it'll maybe make for a longer episode today but uh, that's always okay yep absolutely nothing wrong with that and it took me like seven times to do this intro because i've (laughs) just been so rusty but you know that's kind of how it is and Obviously, we're going to talk about the big news starting off here with OBJ going to Cleveland. See, it doesn't even seem like big news anymore because know, it was a, already a week and a half yeah, ago. Yeah, it's but week old, but... We haven't talked about it yet, so we need to... Uh, so, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. was traded from the New York Giants to the Cleveland Browns for a first and a third round pick in this year's draft, as well as uh, out of Michigan, Jabril, Jabril Peppers, their safety. Um, what do you think about this trade? I definitely like how New York got Jabril Peppers for that, but I think they should have gotten a couple more draft picks. I mean, OBJ is a generational talent. Probably the best receiver in the league, one of them. Yeah, he's very arguably one of the top five receivers in the league. Yeah. But with that being said, Cleveland robbed him straight up just for the first round pick, a third round pick, and just Jabril Peppers. Just, I mean... Good for Cleveland on that because now OBJ gets to play with his high school and college teammate Jarvis Landry. Mm-hmm. Which, and get the ball thrown to him by Baker Mayfield and have a run game threat and Kareem Hunt in the backfield as well. If only Matt Nelson was here to talk about his Browns, huh? Yeah. But, we should, maybe we should have got him again, but, you know, yeah. Matt's a controversial guest. <laughs> <laughs> he's very up in the air and we kind of have to try and figure out what he's going to say. And then James has to do a bunch of editing on his part. <laughs> But, you know, he makes a fun co-host whenever we bring him on, and he's always a great time. But, yeah, back to the OBJ to Cleveland. I, Pat Shermer, I believe, said that he wasn't exactly the happiest with trading OBJ. And right, they were very reluctant. They were very reluctant. I'm trying to figure out why they decided to in the end. I think, I think they decided to trade because I don't think that OBJ really got along very well with Eli. You don't think so? No, and I think that they're committed to Eli at least for the short term while they try and develop somebody. Because, like, if you think about it, Eli's 39. Oh, he's old, yeah. Yeah, 38 now. So you give him two more years of sucking while you let somebody <laughs> else like Dwayne Haskins in this year's draft develop under him. I mean, Eli Manning is a very knowledgeable and smart quarterback, even though he's definitely on the downside of his career. He's just he has a lot. Time. He has a lot of influence and a lot of experience that he can share with, with somebody. And, you know, kind of like the Packers did with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, I see the, the Giants doing something like that right now with this. And, you know, the, them getting a bunch of picks out of it will help them, as well as helping them on defense with probably getting a, a, their starting safety in Jabril Peppers long term. Right, and that was probably one. I think that might he might have been the player that swung the deal. Yeah. Because Pat Shermer and I believe the owner. The I owner, don't think a first and a third is enough, but a third and a fifth was enough for Antonio Brown. Yeah. So The owner of the Giants joked recently that when he told his kids that he traded OBJ, only one of them still talks to him, and they're like eight and nine years old. I thought that was actually kind of a funny story, but even at that, I I don't know. Good for OBJ on getting out of a situation with the quarterback he didn't want. And obviously him and 
as you said, Eli didn't get along, but I don't know. It's not like you can hate on Eli. He won New York two Super Bowls against New England. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that is what it is. And I guess we got to talk about Antonio Brown going to Oakland now for a similar deal. Yeah, both both top-tier receivers, like arguably top three receivers in the league. And, you know, Antonio o- – Oakland completely stole Antonio oh Brown from God, Pittsburgh. Oh, my God, that was but, highway robbery. But at this point – Pittsburgh was trying to get him off their hands. Yeah. So they didn't really have much of a, a bargaining chip there because they knew that Antonio Brown would probably just leave or sit out. Exactly. So, kind of like what Le'Veon did. Right. And they, they kind of got screwed over by both of those players. But, you know, uh, you know Antonio Brown it, on Oakland is looking a little bit better. You know, we're going to talk a little bit at the end of the show about uh, Khalil Mack. But ha- <laughs> in having lost Khalil Mack, I think what John Gruden's been doing since that trade has been uh, – N- nothing but good, you know. They got Antonio Brown. They got uh, Lamarcus Joyner from uh, from uh, the Rams. That's a big pick. And up. now they have space to pay all these guys because they got those big contracts. They off. got they they didn't have to put an extension on Khalil Mack of exactly. probably uh, over one hundred and forty million dollars. Oh, they couldn't afford that. No. Well, they couldn't. They probably they could have afforded it, but then they wouldn't have been able to get all these all of these picks well, and right, all exactly. of these. Uh, all of these players in return. They can pay. They can pay Khalil, but at the end of the day, they you can add to it because he takes up the majority of the cap space. But you know, going back to Pittsburgh, they wasted Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown. They had a trio of great players, and they didn't really do much, if you think about it. Yeah. Once they got to the AFC Championship games, and or even in the playoffs, they're pretty much one or two games and done. They couldn't. They had the core to win Super Bowls, and they they couldn't get it done. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know. In other news, uh, arguably the best tight end in NFL history, Rob Gronkowski, has called it quits and hung up the cleats at the age of 29. Greg, you're a a Patriots fan by proxy. So uh, how do you feel about your man Gronk? I love Rob Gronkowski personally as well. I'm going to miss the Gronk spikes the most. I mean, he is the one of the most talented tight ends to ever play the game. And in Tom Brady's post about his retirement, he said he's one of the most loving, funniest teammates ever. He brought joy to the game. He always made practices more fun and games enjoyable. But, you know, there's been reports that his retirement might not last that long. Because, you know, there's a lot of players out there that once you step away from the game, you realize how much you miss it and how much you wish you could go back. I can see Gronk doing that in maybe a year or so. But what? But what's he coming back to, to getting hurt for at least eight games a year? I think part of the reason why he did retire is because he physically couldn't take it and he needs time off to recover. That's what I think. So you think once he recovers, he'll I think miss it and come back? It'd be like Michael Jordan. Every time he retired, he came back. You know? yeah. I think this would be Gronk. It's not going to happen as many times as MJ, but you know, it's, he's got a heel. He's... He's physically broken. He, he's probably got the body of a 50-year-old man when it comes to bones and muscles. But I, I don't think this is the end of Gronk. I, no. I really don't. I mean, for me, I think it is. I've been saying for a year or two now that Gronkowski should retire. You know, he's done everything that you can possibly do as a tight end in professional football. He's the most touchdowns per game in NFL history, uh, most touchdown receptions of any player in Patriots history. Um, with 79 touchdowns, and you know th- those are you have guys like Randy Moss in in there too, and that's your I know that's your boy, but uh, he had 17 touchdown catches in a single season in 2011. 
Um, and he's just been so injury prone. And, you know, at 29, having won three Super Bowls and having done having had all those accolades and being arguably the best tight end ever. And a shoe-in in the Hall of Fame. Oh, already. yeah. He, he, he's probably going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and, and he'll be the youngest player to ever be a first ballot Hall of Famer since uh, Jim Brown and um, uh, who, Barry Sanders. Those were the other two, and they were 30 when they retired, and Gronk, Gronk's just a little bit younger at 29. So, I mean, if I was him... I'd be pretty content with life. He can go into a mov- movie career quite easily. Reports are he's going to hit hit up the WWE. Yeah, and he could easily make a transition to the WWE. Like the Rock but, did. You know, he'll. That'd be a lot of, uh, you know, more injury risk there too. So yeah, that's right. So you know, we'll see. We'll see what Rob Gronkowski will be somebody that people follow for a very long time, whether he plays football or not. Yeah. So, I guess we'll see what happens with him. Yep, he's got a large gathering, and I hope he enjoys retirement. I really do. But Oh, he will enjoy it. Yeah, he can't say no to that. So. And speaking of football players that to, who like to enjoy themselves, uh, Johnny Manziel has, uh, at, since being cut from the CFL and banned from the CFL, he has since joined the Alliance of American Football. And uh, in his first game, he went 3 for 5 for 48 yards, and he had two rushes for 20 yards. So, you know, promising numbers for... Uh, for, like, what, five snaps? Yeah, you know, not it looks like seven, seven snaps, snaps here. Yeah, or okay. We'll we'll see, but you know, not bad numbers for him. You know, if you if you duplicate that a few times, that's pretty good stats, <laughs> but not that, a very big sample size. Right, and that says a lot. If he couldn't cut it in the CFL and it comes to the AAF, and mm-hmm. he kind of puts up those stats for uh, obviously a small sample size, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe he found a home in the AAF. You never know. Yeah, I. I mean, if if somehow he's able to transition to the XFL, I don't know if he'll be able to because of his record. And, yeah. You know, Vince McMahon is not, you know, he doesn't like guys with records in his league. So He, he wants a clean run. He wants, yeah. So we'll see if, uh, you know, he can con- continue his football career in some capacity. But at the end of the day, I don't think he really cares. All he, he's living off his dad's money anyways. So right. He's just living his life play, playing football and partying. And that's not a very bad life. No, he's living his American dream. Absolutely. Put it that way. But So, Zach, we're going to move on to a little bit of college basketball here. And is there anything that occurred in the tournament that may have made you a little angry, busted your bracket? Did you get any upsets correct? Um, I I did. I got a, quite a few upsets correct. I picked Oregon to beat Wisconsin. Because I also I, chose that. Because I hate the Badgers. But... <laughs> Yet you like the Packers. Yeah, but I... Interesting. Yeah, no, it, it's kind of a weird uh, situation. Just not a very big fan of Wisconsin, but... but, <laughs> but uh, Big enough for the Packers. But for the Packers, all love. Always all love. <laughs> but that was the only um, pick that... Uh, the upset pick that I got right. I, I picked Yale to beat LSU, and that was a close game. But uh, LSU pulled through, so... I did have our uh, sister city, Minnesota, beating Louisville. Yeah, I had them beating. I had them beating Louisville, based on the fact that the tournament is in Minneapolis here, this year. So I figured they would have like an extra motivation. I knew they were never going to beat Michigan State. Oh, not but a chance, especially when Jordan Murphy went down. Yeah, yeah it made it a little. It hard. wasn't going to happen. But of of my uh, March Madness bracket, I still have all four of my Final Four in place. How about you? I do as well currently. Who do you have? I have Gonzaga over North Carolina, seventy-five to sixty-nine in the championship. In the championship, 
Interesting. And in my final four, I have Michigan State, Gonzaga, obviously, Virginia, and North Carolina. Okay, we have three of the four same final four. I have Michigan State, Virginia, North Carolina, and Michigan. And I have Michigan State playing Michigan for the fourth time this year. I have Michigan State winning again. Really? And beating North Carolina in the finals, 67-62. to 62. So we have a similar final four final, but... You know, it... It's always going to vary. I think there's currently yeah. one bracket right now out there that is perfect. Yeah, and that won't. I mean, at this point, if you if you've made it to the Sweet Sixteen perfectly, I think your odds would just get better of having a perfect bracket. I mean, at that point, yeah. But the one thing that made me the most angry was when you see Irvine beat Kansas State. That that busted yeah. my bracket, and also when Cincinnati lost to Iowa. Yeah, I had those uh, two busted my bracket big time. Yeah. But. I had Iowa. I had Iowa winning, or sorry, I had Cincinnati winning as well in that game. But you know, that's just how it goes in March Madness. No one's ever going to win the million dollar prize. Or that's why they it call is. it the madness. Yep, sixty four teams, and you have to get every single one right. Good luck. But in latest uh, MMA news, Conor McGregor has decided to retire. But for now, un- unlike unlike the Gronk situation, I. I really just think that this is a negotiation tactic for McGregor. Oh, absolutely. Because, like, you know, he he was just talking about how he's negotiating his next fight, but this dude is almost a billionaire. What is he? He doesn't need to fight very much, and he's going to be very selective in choosing his fights. So if he says, oh, I'm going to retire, then, you know, they're going to offer him more money to come back out of retirement. So I just think this is just... uh, I think people should see through this as to what it is. You know, McGregor's still young, and you we all know his competitive nature. So I think uh, I think this will be a short-lived retirement. It might last a year or something like that, but we'll see. There's a report currently going around that Dana White said McGregor wanted an equity stake in the UFC and that it's never going to happen. <laughs> so that's kind of why there's a bit of a sudden unexpected retirement. And, yeah, it's obviously not going to be it's, it's not a genuine retirement. He's going to be back because he's already said he wants to rematch Floyd Mayweather, Khabib, uh, that other guy, I forget. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. Nur- Nurmagomedov. Yes, <laughs> something like that. Complete, Close enough. Completely butchered it, but we're yeah, regardless, McGregor still has a long list of people he wants to fight, and I don't know if he'll be through the UFC. I mean, no. his, him, his MMA hey, days hey. might be a little bit down. But. Yeah, him and Gronk can form a new tag team in the WWE and, and take over that division. It'd take over the entire idea <laughs> of WWE. I mean, I, I would pay and watch that. McGregor and Gronk just wrestling people. Yeah, that would be very entertaining. That would probably sell out pay-per-view. I mean, honestly, that that'd be great. But I don't know. Supposedly there's some also concerns about McGregor's mental health. He is a bit of a loose cannon. And he's, he's been hit in the head quite a few times in his life, and that doesn't hit, really kick, help. dropped, you know, you yeah. name it. I mean, when you throw a bike rack at a bus, you, right. you're kind and of we, on the flag. And we bus. see all these mixed martial arts fighters and wrestlers, they all they all end up dying, like, around the age of 50. Yeah. And it's because of all the head trauma that they, they, they get. And same with football players, too, because yeah. Michael Irvin just got diagnosed with cancer. Is it official he did? Yeah. And so we'll see... You know, the guy's health is definitely deteriorating. Right, and prayers out to them and their families. Yeah. You know, you also got to think, like, 
you kind of do sign up for that, though. I mean, oh yeah, and that's why they get paid millions of dollars. You get paid to compensate and yeah. take care of your family. It's a dangerous environment and job. I mean, if I say to you, I'm going to give you tens of millions of dollars a year, but you're going to die at 55, or you can live, you know, not not making that much money a year, just working a desk job nine to five, but you live to 85. What do you take? I'd take the more exciting career. I would too, but yeah. a lot of people wouldn't. So Some people like the safety, some people like the money. It depends what you're in there for. Yeah. But Tomorrow is the MLB's opening day, and we did go over our picks over the last couple episodes ago. So, yeah, with that, I I think the MLB will be a great season. We have a lot of uh, new and new and noteworthy players that got shipped around, and there's Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell that still are without teams. Yeah, it's Mike, so weird that Keuchel still hasn't been picked up. It is. And the I fact guess he is, is getting older, but... Still Cy, Cy Young, Cy Young award-winning winner, yeah. pitcher and still not signed. And Mike Trout with that humongous monster deal. $430 million, For 12, 12 years. years. And, well, just goes to show that he didn't want to go play in Philly with Bryce, but good luck winning a championship there. I saw J.J. Uh, Watt posted something on uh, on his Instagram. Yep. with uh, It was like a side-by-side of him and Mike Trout, and it was like, hey, at Texans, I kind of look like Mike Trout, so are you prepared to hand over that kind of money? <laughs> and then the MLB actually commented on his post being with uh, with that emoji of the uh, arms raised guy. Yeah. I wish you could see it, see me do it to all of our viewers, but you can't, so just picture it. Yeah, or if you really want, just it'll, you could easily Google it and you'll find it right away. But even with that, that that's just a god awful amount of money and you know he's a great player he deserves it so but moving on our sister school umd won the, you you don't like them no but they just won the nchc and they're uh, number two overall uh, in the maybe NCAA tournament. maybe i'm just biased because i don't like umd because whenever we play them they would beat us by 60 but not in baseball we beat them did, did you guys past couple of years swept them every single four game series well See, baseball seems like they're on the ups. Yep, they sure are. So we have St. Cloud State versus American International and then Ohio State and Denver in one side of the bracket. Massachusetts versus Harvard. Notre Dame and Clarkson are playing in the bottom part of the bracket. Arizona and Quinnipiac and then Arizona State and Quinnipiac, sorry. Then we got Minnesota Duluth and Bowling Green playing each other. Cornell versus Northeastern and then finally Mankato State as the number three seed versus Providence. Who do you got, Zach? <laughs> I know it's a bit of a tough pick here with because hockey, there's upsets galore in college. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I like what... Uh, well, first off, I, I want to talk about how Arizona State made the Frozen Four tournament. A, a team from Arizona versus... And yeah. the University of North Dakota hasn't made it this year or last year. So it's just kind of an interesting contrast there. You have a team from Arizona where it's... You know, it rarely gets below 80 degrees there. And you have right. a hockey powerhouse down there making the tournament. You want to know what's another interesting thing? What's that? No Boston school outside of Harvard's in here. Boston... Well, U- Northeastern. Well, I, yeah, okay. Uh, sorry, Northeastern. But Boston University, the Terriers. Yeah, they, they usually make Boston it. Or College Boston College. Eagles, yeah. Th- they aren't in there. And that's that's really weird to see. But, dang, I'm... Arizona and Quinnipiac, Arizona State and Quinnipiac and Bowling Green, those are names I haven't seen here in a while. 
I know yeah. Quinnipiac won it a few years ago, but they haven't been there since. I mean, I like uh, I like UMD to win it. I mean, they're they're riding hot right now, and you know, you, with my bias aside, uh, it'd be nice for U of M school to win it. The Gophers aren't in it this year. No, but. they got kicked out right away. They're bounced. But I can see. Okay, so Massachusetts, UMass is in here. I misspoke earlier, but I think. But still, both Boston Boston schools aren't there. Yep, both Boston's aren't. So I could see. It being a rematch of the NCHC championship game between St. Cloud and Duluth. I, I can see that happening. I don't think any of the other teams have the power to stack up because Denver, they, they aren't what they used to be. Mankato State, they're always good for uh, losing in hot games. And the Notre Dame-Massachusetts bracket, and I mean, that, that's a toss-up. You can put any team in there and they're not going to get past St. Cloud State in the semifinals, so... I, I'm going to have Duluth and St. Cloud State 3-2 to two in two overtimes. So you think that they're going to play each other again yeah, in, it's the, in the be finals? A re, the championship's going to be a rematch. And you have Duluth NCHC. winning? Yep. As well? Two overtimes again because that's what the NCHC went to. So it's either going to be a blowout by one team or it's going to be like double overtime yeah. again. And I think UMD is going to pull out on top. And I know my brother will be uh, rooting hard because he went to UMD. He's, oh, did he's, he? He's an alumni, so oh, that's wow. kind of why I do yeah. like their hockey team. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of pride that's associated there with that. There is, and that hockey team is God over there, which rightfully so. They're not. They're a very good program. Yeah, all, all around, they're a really good program. Absolutely. We should take notes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll move on to uh, talk about our program here at UMC. Um and uh, the women's volleyball team had a scrimmage last night versus UND. I was there in attendance. So was Greg. I was. So uh, we got to see that. And, uh, you know, they, they were looking pretty good, having lost a couple seniors. But uh, they, they were definitely holding their own against a Division I uh, volleyball team. So I mean, it is a scrimmage. And it from is what I was watching, yeah. it wasn't very, like, official. No. They weren't really. It was like, more of just like a joint practice, I would call it. That's what but, I would say, yeah, because they're just more working on things than actually. Competing. Yeah, they were doing a lot of like situational volleyball, like you know, teams down by three here mm-hmm. or whatever, scores twenty four, twenty two. Yeah. So they were doing a lot of situations and stuff like that, from what I noticed. But uh, so we'll look for them in the down in the fall. I won't be here, so you'll... Uh, I'll I mean, keep you posted. Well, you'll keep, I mean, I'm, I'll keep, you you'll keep me posted. I'll keep myself posted. I get the Twitter updates. But. Yeah. But it's always good to see, as a graduate, obviously, as you will be, to look back on the sports teams and see, like, oh, they're actually doing good. They're yeah, improving. Yeah, that, that's all I want, to be honest with you, is to be able to say that. Right. And there's that's a good sense of UMC pride coming from you. Yeah. It absolutely. warms my heart, Greenberg. It really, <laughs> it really does. You're funny. But... Talking about uh, the baseball team, they're off to a 7-1 conference start. They've swept uh, Wayne State, they've swept Concordia, and split versus Mankato. So this is uh, one of their best starts ever, if not the best start for them ever. It is currently the best conference start UMC has ever gotten to in the history of the entirety of the baseball program. Mm. 7-1 and and beating top five considered teams of Wayne State, Concordia, and Mankato. It's good baseball. That, that's big for the program. Absolutely it is. I mean, last year they they had a pretty similar hot start, but that was against non-conference teams. But they also, the teams they beat in Florida low were top 10 ranked national teams. Right. But then... but then When they came home for conference play, once Concordia swept them, that was like the end of their season. Right. They couldn't get so, over that. So, I mean, if I'm them, if I'm the baseball team, you just got to keep riding this yep. hot streak and just, and just keep going with it and... 
and make your way to the NCAA tournament Absolutely. At, the, I, at the end of the, at the I end believe of the they'll all make an appearance after a year out of it. They'll be back. I'm, it will be see it'll be seen to see how far they go. Yeah. But I think they're they're taking huge strides already and as a former player of that program it it's great to see those guys competing and winning and seeing all the effort they put in pay off. You know, it's great to see that especially for a program such as baseball that's had rough years before coach Gus got here and then now it's on the up and up. So that's really I, really I remember the the first my freshman year was the one year before or maybe that might have been coach Gus's first year was my freshman year. But there was a lot of animosity between both the football and baseball teams back then. Yeah. And, like, you know, we couldn't go to any, like, anywhere with the baseball team. Like, couldn't go to their house, couldn't do anything. And it was the same for football. But what I like now is it's not like that anymore. And, like, I, mo- like all the guys on the baseball team, I'm, I'm friends with almost all of them. And it's... And it's it's cool to see them succeeding like this. Where when I was a freshman, I, I would have hated to see them succeed because of all the animosity that right. that there was between the football and baseball teams. That's got to do with a big part of the culture change Absolutely. going on. And yeah, I think there's a lot of work being done by coaches in both teams. There's are, a lot of work being done, but there's still a lot of work to be done. There is I never think. enough work to yeah. be done. We'll put it that way. Especially out here. So. Hey Zach, what's grinding your gears lately? Well, for me. What's been grinding my gears is the recent NFL uh, owners meeting that has just taken place. And this meeting happens once a year. Um, and you always see Andy Reid there in his Hawaiian his Hawaiian t-shirts. Did Bill Belichick wear his flip-flops and khakis? Like always. always. But uh, what's grinding my gears about these meetings is that I th- feel like the NFL is taking way too long to change their rules. And they're pretty slow with everything. And I'm going to give a couple examples. Um so at this most recent owners meeting yesterday, they passed uh, a new rule where you can challenge pass interference. So that would encompass everything from, you know, what happened in the NFC Championship, a missed yeah. call. You could challenge that missed call and be like, oh, there was clear pass interference there. I challenged that. And then that'll be reversed. And then that could completely change the outcome of games. But what bothers me is that the CFL did this three years ago. And I don't understand why it's taking the NFL for for crazy stuff to happen in their games to realize that their rules that there's the technology available now for the rules to change for the better. And I think that that's part of a more of an old head mentality where like you know this is the game we don't want to like change the damage the integrity of the game sacrifice it for other things. But there's there, there's a line when it comes to that, like, like with the pass interference thing, like the Saints, the Saints, everybody knows the Saints got screwed out of that game. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, you know, you can say that as much things, as much other factors as possible that contributed to them losing, but that play directly influenced the outcome of the game. And if a coach was able, to, if Sean Payton was able to challenge that. You know, you have a Saints Patriots Super Bowl that's a lot more entertaining that get that will generate way more money. That would have but, been a huge difference of a Super Bowl, not but, lie. and then and then furthering that, you you have uh, the Chiefs. The Chiefs proposed that both teams should get an opportunity to possess the ball 
in the playoffs, regardless of touchdown, regardless field goal. touchdown field goal in the playoffs, they they and that that was tabled, so that that's not going to get looked at for another year. But meanwhile, in college football, in the CFL, both teams get an opportunity to possess, and it just doesn't make sense to me, and it that's why it grinds my gears. Why the NFL is so slow in you know, making these decisions and waiting for all these controversial things to happen before they make make these changes. So that's what's been grinding my gears. Well, it's, it's actually really great to have a refreshing new topic about grinding our gears because usually it's just about us having our hockey issues. But with me, I have to go back to the well with the Minnesota Wild because they are yet again out of playoff contention. They cannot figure out how to win. Their scoring and offense is a missile. It's probably the worst I've ever seen in 10 years there's just there's something going on I think it's our I think it's Bruce Boudreau it's his head that's going to roll next I think if the Wilder out of the playoffs he's immediately gone and then the I'm curious to see how the NHL draft and free agency is going to shape up with who's going to be gone who's going to move because I know Jason Zucker I've mentioned previously in before episodes was almost traded to the Flames I'd almost be willing to bet he's traded I think Brodine would be next as well. You know, as Fenton's going to be making this team younger. I think it's going to be a few years of mediocre play and hopefully stock up in some draft picks, you know. And I guess we'll, it'll be remain to be seen, but the young guys have actually shown tremendous talent, and they've grown a whole lot. Jordan Greenway has been playing out of his mind. Ryan Donato, since coming over, has put up, I think, 10 more points in Coyle when he's in Boston. You know, I think Coyle had four points total, and I think Donato's got like 12 or even 14. So either way, I mean, the Wild are just trash right now, and it's really irritating as a Minnesota resident who we pride ourselves as a hockey state and community, and it's just it's just not happening. I mean, you know, for the Wild, I think... Uh, I think it might be time for a little bit of a rebuild. They're kind of in the same place as the Blackhawks in the standings yep. and uh, with age as well. And, you know, to be honest, they're, not, they're looking at being an outside of the top three in the Central for the next couple of years. You know, you have the Jets, the Predators, and the Blues all in there, and they're, they're not going to be slowing down for the next couple of years for right. sure. So. They're young and they're under contract. And the worst part about all of this is the Chicago Blackhawks are there because the cap in the NHL, the hard cap, forced them to be there because they won all those championships. Yeah, that, so you that's gotta, why the Ducks are there, too. Yep, that's why the Ducks are there, too. But the Wild, they couldn't even get past the second round in there in that current state yeah. right now. Yeah. That is so irritating. But well, that's a Minnesota sports curse that I talk about yep. on every episode. Every episode, because it's I always have to mention so it. prevalent. Until until that curse is broken, I will keep mentioning it, too, by the way. Yep. I mean... Wait, I, okay, here's a question. Which, which sport do you think ends the curse? For Minnesota. Well, the Lynx have ended uh, it. That doesn't count. That doesn't count? There are three championships uh, in like five I, I years? I guess I can't really say that that doesn't count. But I think they won championships. But They, they do, but you I, know, th- their fan base is nowhere near the fan base to any of the other Minnesota sports teams. You're right. You know? Yeah. They, they don't have quite a bit of, big of a following, but championships nonetheless. And they're, All right. Between, they're the, currently the between the big four sports. Between the big four sports. Um... The Timberwolves aren't going to be close anytime soon, but we're not a bad. I think it's going to have to be the Twins. The Twins are going to have to do something. You think the Twins I win first? I think the Twins are going to be the ones that win first because the Vikings aren't going to do it. No. Because we've seen how they play. No. The Twins have been the, the Twins are like the only <laughs> Minnesota sports team that actually have won championships. I mean, the Vikings have never done it. The Wild haven't done it. Yeah, the Timberwolves Vikings are 0-4. 
The Twins have <laughs> two World Series wins. They do. 87 to 91. But it's been a while. It's, it's been, been almost 30 years. Yeah, back That's in a the long glory time. Days, but, you know, <laughs> they're due, and I think they're going to be in the right direction. They have a bunch of young talent in the minor leagues coming up. And, you know, I think in 10 years, which is the Minnesota guess because <laughs> – We'll just give them 10 years because, you know, they're going to curse us in the other five. <laughs> so in 10 years, I think the Twins are going to win a World Series. It's sad that we're talking about this, but it's funny. It is. It, you know. The fact I have to give them 10 years to yeah. do us proud. But to uh, move on to our wacky sports wrap-up, John Gruden has made the headlines again for telling the news media he has cried for three days after trading Clil Mack. I mean, I don't think he should. Uh, I don't think. I mean, obviously, that's a very tough decision to make in trading arguably the best defensive player in the NFL. But one thing I will say is a, a couple of, or last week, the Raiders received the uh, best transaction of the year award at an analytics conference for trading Cleo Mack to the Bears. So out of all the sports, the award winner was that trade, and that wow. it was in the Raiders' favor rather than the Bears' favor. Wow. And I think that they won that award due to, uh, you know, in part, to, like, like we were saying earlier, with all the players they were able to acquire in the end because of freeing up all that space. Yep. But, I know, you know, it's tough to lose a, a guy like Khalil Mack. Game changer. Literal yeah. game changer. Absolutely. But, you know, it's always good to see John Gruden. And then, Last and not least, the game wizard Tony Romo wants ten million a year to be a, to return as a CBS sports analyst. Yeah, he might have to go to coaching. He could be an offensive or defensive coordinator, that, and that's the crazy thing. That's how well he knows the game. He is an unbelievably intelligent quarterback and former player. It depends if he just wants that stress level of coaching. Yeah, if he wants to deal with players on a daily basis, coaching's for him. If he just wants to talk about football like we talk about sports in a booth, you know, maybe that's the life for him. But. You know, that about wraps it up, Zach. Well, we're just going to uh, thank you here for joining us on our ninth episode of the season. Uh, just a reminder, you can find us on Spotify, Google Play, and as well as YouTube under Calling an Audible and on our Twitter account at CallAudiblePod. On behalf of Greg and myself, au revoir, shalom, and have a great rest of your week. Calling an Audible is made possible through the assistance of the University of Minnesota Crookston Media Services Department and executive producer James Pogachnik. The views expressed on Calling an Audible are not necessarily the views of the University of Minnesota Crookston or its affiliates.